you're about to listen to another great show on the Four Eyed Radio Network. To listen to other shows just like this, go to foureyedradio.com. Like our show, Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast. Where we talk everything and anything about Pokemon. Learn something new. Like, did you know that every Pokemon card is misprinted on the back? The ball centerpiece opens on the wrong side. <laughs> what? I'm going to have to check that out. But yeah, you can learn stuff like that, which I just learned right now. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. 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 Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Doug. And I'm Derek. And is your spider sense tingling? It's... punishing Ooh, nope that was bad oh no (laughs) (laughs) to listen to the show go 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 (laughs) to listen to the show find us on foureyedradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts this podcast is brought to you by revenge lover designs illustration and design that fit your personality for samples and inquiries visit revengelover.com and of course we'd like to thank our spectacular patrons katie and gemma nicole for supporting this podcast as well as thanking all of our patrons for supporting this show if you're interested in becoming a patron check us out at patreon.com slash walloping web snappers and if you couldn't tell by that uh thing you said that derek said uh we're talking about the punisher (laughs) yep yep we are (laughs) look you know what i've thought going into this does he have a catchphrase or anything that's the best that i could come up with so you're welcome guys anyway we're talking about an episode with the punisher in it (laughs) yes we are a very, very, very interesting portrayal of the Punisher. Yeah. Based on the fact that we're talking about the 90s Spider-Man cartoon and all the restraints that come with that. So mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. this will be fun. Yes, it will. And that's that's only like a fourth of like all the wackiness that's happening in this one, too. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yes, yes. We are talking about Spider-Man, the animated series, season two, episode seven, entitled Neogenic Nightmare, chapter seven, Enter the Punisher. And the short synopsis for this one, per IMDb, is Spider-Man ends up being chased by a man known as the Punisher when he is accused of kidnapping Michael Morbius. Mm-hmm. Original air date, November 4th, 1995. The writing by credits are credited to Story by John Semper and Carl Potts, and also Teleplay by Carl Potts. Oh. So, oh, nice. (laughs) I wonder if John Semper just has a story by credit on, like, every episode from here on out. (laughs) I have to imagine. Like, just based on the way that these stories are structured, I'm guessing that it's... It, they're credited just to him all around, right? Which, well, it's kind of weird, though, because a lot of other shows, I mean, that's that's normal for the story editor slash showrunner to be, like, a major influence slash final pass on, like, every single script. Uh-huh. So it's usually, like, understood that oh, okay. they did writing on it. So it's always weird when you have that writer coming up, but as a story by credit, not as a teleplay credit, because it's, it's kind of like... Well, you should have been breaking that, helping break that story anyway because you're the story editor, <laughs> but I don't know. It, it could also be a weird contract thing. Too, sure, so Who sure. knows? The interesting person here is Carl Potts because this is actually his only film or TV writing credit. Like, what? Period. 
The reason being is that he's primarily a comics writer. Oh. And not just, uh, not actually in comics in general. He actually does a lot of things in comics. So he was an executive editor for Marvel Entertainment for about 13 years. Um, and, event- and eventually an editor-in-chief of Marvel's general entertainment and epic publishing divisions. He's also like mentored a lot of Marvel's top creators. You can look up on his Wikipedia list, but a whole bunch of them. And he co-created the comic series Alien Legion. But the really uh, important thing here and the obvious reason he was brought on to this episode in particular is because he was actually really instrumental in bringing the Punisher from a guest star character where he would just kind of pop into other people's comics and actually like bringing him to the status of a flagship character. Apparently, like, the the Marvel at the time didn't really think that he would work as, like, a character with his own comic, which mm-hmm. I guess kind of makes sense because he's, oh, yeah. he's just a dude who's, like, angry and, like, kills people. Like, obviously there's more to him than that, but there's not as much of a hook as there are for, like, superheroes, you know? Yeah, and I think there are there are plenty of conversations that you can find about different characters or different types of storylines or, in some cases, entire imprints that like are debated as far as like whether they fit the brand or are appropriate for any given thing. Like I'm specifically thinking of some of the more extreme imprints on Marvel where like Stan Lee himself has said like, why would you do that? (laughs) Why would you tell a story like that? So it doesn't surprise me that Punisher just as an entire entity was at one point sort of like debatable as far as carrying a title. Cause it seems like those are, it's sort of baked into the history of comics. Like what, what belongs and what doesn't. Right, right. And there's basically like the uh, the idea for a Punisher miniseries was was kind of gone, going around um, prominently from the writer Stephen Grant, who, if you recognize that name, it's because he actually wrote the Mutant Agenda comic the X-Men crossover was based on. Um, so he really wanted to do a Punisher miniseries. Um, he, he, wanted, he, he had like pitched multiple times with multiple artists, but the one that ended up sticking was with artist Mike Zeck. Hmm. So they wanted to do this like Punisher miniseries. Marvel didn't really think that it was a good idea, but uh, Carl Potts was a new editor at the time, and he was like, "Okay, I'll take your pitch. I'll 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 oversee your idea." And it turned out to be a surprising success, like against Marvel's like predictions or better wishes. It seems like so it's it worked out, and then Potts himself went on to actually write the for the Punisher in the Punisher War Journal series. Mm, okay. Yeah, so man who's very um very heavily related to like. Not the creation of the Punisher so much, but his elevation to, like, a major Marvel character. Sure. Clearly heavily involved in his success. Honestly, that makes this episode even more fascinating. And this entire sort of, like, Punisher portrayal. Because it makes perfect sense that you would bring in somebody who's sort of, like, known for elevating what the Punisher can be. But bringing him into an environment where the Punisher can't go full Punisher. (laughs) Right. So like, I guess it's the best person to bring in because you 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 would trust that he can sort of distill the essential elements while leaving certain things out. Mm -hmm. But what a bizarre what a bizarre thing for him to work on, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, obviously, the major character that is introduced and spotlighted in this episode and in a few episodes to come is the Punisher, a.k.a. Frank Castle. And in this, he is portrayed by John Beck. John Beck is known on screen for prominent roles in a number of soap operas such as Flamingo Road, Santa Barbara, and Passions, as well as portraying Mark Grayson on Dallas before becoming a permanently written-off casualty of the infamous It Was All a Dream season. Oh, no! Which is fascinating. Um, Oh, no! (laughs) Dallas spoilers incoming. I didn't know anything about Dallas other than that this episode was infamous. 
I didn't realize that it had such consequences. Basically, John Beck's character dies earlier in the series, but then it's revealed that he had faked his own death. So he like comes back to life. And then as a result of the It Was All a Dream season, they ret not retconned, but like it turns out that the coming back to life was part of the dream. So then he was like re-dead. And so he was written out and they just were like, I I guess we can't, I, I guess we're done with you. Like it was just like God. such a weird thing to happen. And I also didn't realize that the It Was All a Dream thing was because they were trying to bring another character back into the fold. Right, so like, yeah. That's he why was... that last episode of, of the season <laughs> is like that character, like the, I don't know any of their names, but like the one that like opens the shower and the guy she, that had died the yeah. season before it is there. And it's like the big shocker, like, oh, how did he come back? And then it's like, oh, he was just always there. You just yeah. dreamed like 22 hours worth of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. How humbling is that to be like, all right, well, we want to bring this other person back and um, you got to go. Like, <laughs> you can't coexist, and we're bringing that one. People <laughs> complain so about, weird. like, continuity and canon now. <laughs> I Come wish. Come on, guys. <laughs> I wish that. So that's, again, like, I've talked about the dumb things I would do with the ability to, to, like, dimension hop. This is a dumb thing I would do if I could travel through time. I would love to travel through time and just, like, witness people's reactions to that episode. Right? Like people who really cared. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, that'd be so I would good. Love for I would love for a TV show to just do that now. Just to like say fuck it. <laughs> like I, I don't it's so it's it's such an off referenced thing. Like yeah, people are true. constantly referring to it. People will um, just assume that it's meant to be like an homage or parody yeah. and, and always have it with that meta level. Like you're never going to have a season <laughs> of a TV show turn out to be a dream ever again without that context. Right. And I don't know That's how true. you – I don't know how you would pull off that specifically. But additionally, like even for shows that pull off large-scale season twists now – I don't know that any of them land as hard as they could, despite many of them being very good. I don't know if any of them could land as well as they could if the Dallas thing wasn't so well-known and infamous, Hmm. you know? Like, people joke without even knowing what they're referencing, it was all a dream. Like, I don't think people even always know what they're referencing when they do that. That's true, yeah. It's wild, it's wild. So anyway, that guy was a casualty of that, and uh, that's endlessly fascinating. Yep. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> oh, man. Wow, TV's weird. <laughs> so, so weird. The other character introduced in this, and I don't know that the character is super notable, but the actor surely is. So mm-hmm. um, the other character introduced in this is Microchip. I don't know if he's ever actually called that in the episode. I don't know if this character's ever named in the episode oh yeah i don't think he is and i i watched it more than once and still didn't notice them ever call him anything but he is credited as microchip so that's how we know but he's portrayed by the late robert axelrod who um, is certainly near and dear to us because he is the voice of lord zed finster and lokar in the power rangers franchise as well as some other voices along the way i believe mm-hmm. he voiced movor in 2001's transformers robots in disguise series and portrayed Armadillomon and Kylo. I don't know if I'm saying this right. Ankylomon, Ankylomon. They pronounce Ankylomon? it Ankylomon, which is Ankylomon. Stupid. Okay, <laughs> so all of my guesses were wrong. Uh huh. And Shakuamon. 
Shakuaman <laughs> in the first two seasons of the Digimon series. Yeah. Um, it's like a half voice because that's like a dual voice for Shakuaman because it's a DNA Digivolved oh, Digimon. Gotcha. Okay. Oh, man. I just realized that if they ever dub the the mm-hmm. last evolution movie that's that's coming out they won't be able to get armadillomon's original voices because he's in it that's, that's oh such that's a such a bummer, bummer. yeah, yeah. <sighs> but uh you know beloved beloved characters voiced by yeah. this guy for sure yeah and i will say kind of love microchip so uh-huh. yeah <laughs> carries along that uh beloved characters by robert axelrod Yes, yes. He's a good actor, too. Very good yes. actor. Even though he doesn't really get a lot to do in this one, but, he, like, the character, yeah, is totally fun that he's playing. Yes. For reasons that are canon and also headcanon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to to hear what you think. <laughs> oh, it's easy. Oh, okay. They fuck. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. I mean, sure. I'm down with that. <laughs> cool. So, getting into the episode itself on our recap watch 2020 yep this time the recap makes a lot more sense it just pretty much just retells the story of michael morbius's transformation into the plasma absorbing vampire and also reminds us that peter now has six arms what (laughs) yes uh so peter has six arms it's funny how little six-armed Peter we got in that last episode is like just the last shot. <laughs> yeah. Which had I don't rem- I mean I was I was pro- I was too young to really like process that stuff, but like imagine watching that for the first time and just being oh like, "Oh my gosh!" Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, being a week-to-week viewer and being like, "Whoa, whoa!" Yeah. <laughs> like, excuse, uh, hold on. <laughs> it's definitely one of those things that's like burned into my brain from this show, so it definitely made an impact. Well, it's funny, like, the Man-Spider stuff is burned into my memory, but for whatever reason, the pre-Man-Spider six-armed Peter stuff, like, it's it's not nearly as ingrained as the Man-Spider stuff. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't know why, because I actually think the, the six-armed Peter is more horrifying. I think so, too. Yeah, it's it's strange. Yeah. Anyway, this episode uh, opens with an egregious amount of computer-generated animation. Oh, God, it's so bad. And that's coming from someone who is very pro-computer-generated animation. <laughs> like, this is just, it's too much, and it's unnecessary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are used to it on the show because we get it through, like, cityscapes and stuff. This yeah. one, though, goes so far as to, like, computer-generate the inside of the Parker residence for the very first time. Yeah. It computer-generates the stairs, the, like, banister, everything as Aunt May is climbing the stairs themselves towards Peter's bedroom. And I will say this. I think, and you will have to check me on this. Sure. I think that the computer-generated animation is getting better, which is why I think they're mm. getting more confident using it. But obviously, they, like, can't see into the future to know that, like, it doesn't ever look good on the show. <laughs> yeah. I agree with so you. It's I think it's better. Does look better, yeah. And they're using I can tell when like why they're using it when they're using it most of the time. Like they're doing it here. It's still egregious and unnecessary, but I think that they're trying to do a cool like yes. pan around shot, like around the corner of the banister as Aunt May walks up, which is an ambitious thing to do in animation. Um those are it's a hard kind of shot to do. And so I get it, but it's strange Woof. because you understand <laughs> that like any any sort of new technology has to walk before it can fly, but you're expecting it in certain places, right? So when you go back to watch Toy Story, it's such a big thing in that arena that you're mm-hmm. like, I get why this doesn't look great. <laughs> like, I, But yeah. it's, it's still such an accomplishment. In this context, it's like, 
they're doing cool things and I do admire their ambition. So it's like, I feel bad even calling it out, but it's just so, so spare (laughs) that it's hard not to call out. But it is a very, I mean, it is a cool camera angle that they do. And it is something they probably wouldn't have even attempted purely traditionally. Mm -hmm. So, you know, good for them on that. But they also could have just done entirely without it. I I don't know that anyone was like looking to Spider-Man, the animated series as like a pioneer of computer generated (laughs) animation. It actually, it makes me ask so many questions about how it was there at all, because that would have been probably an entirely different studio. I guess so. Yeah. I I mean, I I imagine it would have to be because they're animating every episode through TMS, which as far as I know at the time was only doing 2D animation. Like unless. This type of animation (sighs) had to have been contracted separately, because if you think like, like the early days of Pixar, the reason they were even able to make a little bit of money was because they were contracted to do animation for others. So like they did, they did computer animation for commercials. They did the, um, the very, very cool stained glass, like night scene from, I think young Indiana Jones, was it? Or young Hmm. Sherlock Holmes, one of the two very, very cool. But like they were contracted to do that. Like that wasn't in house. It couldn't have been. So I, I'm so curious because this would have been mid nineties pre mm-hmm. or right around when Toy Story came out, depending on when this was made, like it would have had to have been a whole separate thing. Yeah. I bet in the credits somewhere, there's probably like a, yeah, I'll have to look like some, something that sounds like late in industrial magic production company or something like that. Like yeah. one of those that it's just kind of like a vague company Ooh. that we probably never heard of before. No, but, but how cool would it be if it was one of those companies that was like just getting their footing and then they're actually like a company that developed, maybe a different name, but like developed into. I know it's not Pixar. I would know that already. But, <laughs> um, but you know what I mean. Like, what if it ended That'd up being cool. like the proto stages of like I don't know, not DreamWorks either, because we'd probably know that. But any, I don't know, whatever. Like, it'd be cool if it ends up being like the proto stages of one of those animation companies, even if it's an animation company that's like not doing a whole lot. <laughs> whatever it is, it would have had to be it would have had to be the cheapest possible because that's how this show works. So That's true. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. All right. Well, that dashes any dreams I had of this being some sort of like big company now. <laughs> Thanks, Saban. Hey, you know what? Maybe if it was a startup, like it could have been its earliest project and it probably would have been really cheap back then. So it's still yeah. possible. It's still be mm-hmm. something could be someone. It's yeah. probably it's probably some company in Korea that got shut down like six months after the show ended. Let's well, be real. But <laughs> hopefully it's one of the companies that's putting here's my here's my hope. I hope it's one of the companies that's putting out tons of like CGI animated ripoff movies. That would be my favorite <laughs> thing ever. That would oh that would be so good. <laughs> it's like from the from the from the producers of Food Fight. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Toys Life. Uh, Transmorphers. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, all to say lots of computer animation at the front mm-hmm. of this episode. <laughs> Tangent achieved. Yes. So she's climbing the stairs towards Peter's bedroom. She gets to the room and it is empty. His window's open, his lamp is knocked over, and one of his shorts is just, like, torn to pieces. Despite all of these serious, terrifying red flags, for the first time in her life, she has some semblance of self-awareness and convinces herself to stop worrying. Like, oh, May, you're jumping at shadows. What would Peter think? Like, what do you, what, where is all of this literally any other time anything else is happening that you're freaking out over nothing? Also, <laughs> why now? 
of all the times. The window is open. The wind is creepily blowing in. There's a tattered shirt on Peter's floor. Of yeah. all, like that, that, something happened here. A tattered shirt is the absolute most concerning thing. <laughs> like normally he just doesn't come home by like nine o'clock and right. she's like losing her mind. This is a tattered shirt. I guess it's not bloody, so like you're not assuming he was stabbed, but like God, where no nothing good <laughs> comes from a shirt that has holes in it. No, next to no. a lamp that has been knocked down and an no. open window. <laughs> I know. I like at one point she's like, "Are you developing your photos? Have we ever seen his dark room before?" No, I thought it was a closet. <laughs> We've seen his closet before, yeah. like <laughs> overtly. Secret dark room in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Yes, yes, yes. So, okay, May. Um, <laughs> right outside, a six-armed Peter um, is on the roof in the shadows, and he kind of quietly apologizes to May because Peter Parker no longer egg exists. Which is quite a dramatic statement, I must I say. <laughs> <sighs> well, elsewhere in a warehouse, uh, we haven't, have we seen a warehouse in a while? I don't think so. No. So here's one. Uh, there are three glam punks, which is the best way to describe them because they have like <laughs> neon mohawks and one of them has like star makeup on one of their eyes sure. are pretty much like babysitting a hostage and they're discussing like the value of the hostage. We don't ever really learn like who it is or who the hostage is for. It's not really important. What is important is that outside a van pulls up to this warehouse and a figure in a trench coat jumps out and places a bomb on the exterior of the building. Nice. Which, whoa. <laughs> uh, inside, that bomb explodes. and Well, I guess the bomb explodes on the outside. But we get this from the inside. And the Punisher reveals himself in the now blown out wall. Mm-hmm. Enter the Punisher, as mm-hmm. the title suggests. Yes. He has a nice musical theme to him. Oh? Actually, him and Morbius both do. Like, they're both unique little musical themes. Morbius is very much like kind of an old school, like, like horror-y, um, not even really horror. Like, it's, I don't know how to describe it. It sounds like something that you'd hear in, like, a Dracula movie or something. And Punisher yeah. is just like a dark, just like a slightly, like, darker inversion of a, like, a usual heroic score that they have on this show. So I like that they're doing, like, all these unique, yeah. unique themes for the characters. I don't feel like we really got a lot of that in the first season. No, and I, ugh, I'm so mad at myself. I said I was going to like specifically listen to the, the music and background stuff, and I, st- I still didn't. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here to fill me in on these things because I just, I don't pay attention to them. You're welcome. You're welcome. If they're on that compilation, that YouTube compilation I found on, um, of the score, I'll mm. tweet out the individual ones. I don't remember if cool. they are or not, but because they're probably good, you know. Cool. For you know, they they fit into the show. So if you like the score of this show, you'll like these tunes. Yeah. But it's a good one. So he he shows up, uh, pulls out a gun on one of the punks. The punk actually attempts to surrender, but the Punisher's like, nah, uh, there is no surrender. And, you know, has a gun, so you can kind of infer what he is planning to do. But mm-hmm. the punk f- flips out and jumps out of the window <laughs> to get away <laughs> from him. Um, luckily, luckily landing on, like, some soft trash bags uh right where the police are to uh-huh. arrest him um and i think the, the punisher even has this little like rant about like you know you're just gonna go to prison and i don't know get, i think he says like get a good lawyer and, and get out or and, and then do this again some variation of that so kind of your typical like justice doesn't exist the law our current law system does not work yeah that stuff which uh yeah. you know i probably pretty part of the course for punisher stuff makes sense so 
Yeah, so that's his big entrance, and he um, he does release the hostage real quick before making his way back to his uh, secret high tech van and drives away from the scene. Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a good introduction for the Punisher. Like I I, yeah. I don't know what it what impression it makes on a kid watching, but I do think it's a smart introduction. I wonder how much of it is maybe, I don't know if too subtle for a kid makes any sense at all, given mm. who the Punisher is, but I do think it's it's clever, uh, the way that they sort of work around him basically saying, like, justice is me killing you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all there in those, in that first interaction. Like, they, they, they establish who he is and what he stands for or doesn't stand for pretty quickly. Yeah, Punisher is a hard character to do for kids stuff, I feel like. that, And I mean, yeah. uh, the obvious reason is, like, it kills people. But, like, even beyond that, the fact that there isn't really, like, a, a hook for kids to latch onto in the same way that there are for other characters. Because everything he's built in is a much more kind of complex view of, like, the justice system, you yep. know? Um, which, it, it, and, and just, like, the flaws in, in how we prosecute criminals and deal with crime. Yeah. And that's, I mean, you can't do that without like some kind of nuance to it yeah i think that this episode does a really interesting thing with him because they sort of like they get that out of the way real quick and that part of it doesn't really matter the part that they focus on is the the lethal force part of it which they say (laughs) that phrase freaking constantly oh yeah they do but but i think that was a smart way to handle it because they get it out of the way real quick like okay this is why he kills people if you don't understand that it doesn't really matter that's just kind of the background the main point is that he wants to kill people and he's trying to not kill people but he still wants to kill people yes he's too extreme He's trying not to be so extreme. He wants to be extreme. <laughs> like, right, right. And that's sort of yeah. the push-pull that I, I do think is handled reasonably well throughout this episode, I think. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they use some interesting mechanics to, like, illustrate that struggle. Um, and I think it ultimately works, even though it's hilarious along the way when you're watching as a grown-up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But I think it was a smart, it was a smart way to, to bring in this character and immediately give him, like, an understandable arc, essentially, mm-hmm. that explains why he isn't just shooting up everybody. It's sort of yes. like they're not trying to tiptoe around it. Like, they are directly saying, yeah, it is weird that he's not killing people. That's That's what he's going through right now. Yeah. Well, he he's trying not to kill people because his boyfriend in the next <laughs> scene doesn't want him to. So he's made his way away from the warehouse in his van, which he calls Battle Van. Oh, my God. It's um, so silly. It's so silly. Is that a thing from the comics? I don't actually I don't know. know. <laughs> I don't know. It's adorable, though. I love that he has a Battle Van. And I think it's like a big purple van, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's a van. <laughs> it's just a van. Uh, so... Inside his battle van, uh, the Punisher receives a video call from a man who calls the Punisher Frank, so doesn't use his his uh, cool, badass superhero name, just calls him Frank. Uh, we've already mentioned that this guy is called Microchip in the credits, but not in the show, so this is Microchip. Um, and he tells Frank that he has a new job, and that it's an unusual target, and that it is Spider-Man. The Punisher vows to make dog meat out of Spider-Man, and... F- you know, microchip is like uh, uncomfortable with this statement. Yeah. Yeah. So back at the Parker residence, Peter examines his um, many arms, um, (laughs) many armed body Mm -hmm. in the mirror and reflects on Dr. Crawford's warning. Oh, wow. I guess she was right. Um, (laughs) But uh, he cuts holes in his suit so his uh, arms can go through. His spider sense is inexplicably registering. And did we get, is there there an answer to that in this episode? I don't think there is. Is there, Unless, do you recall there being an answer to this at all? 
I think I feel like it's just warning him that there's something wrong with his body or something. It's okay. that's all it is because there's no yeah no there's no answer to it and the only payoff. I feel like maybe it's setting up that there's just something off and that eventually he's going to mutate in the man spider. But it is kind of a weird thing because then it doesn't come up again later. Like he doesn't have a spider sense go off at a random time otherwise. Which is kind of weird because that would be such a convenient thing to be happening throughout these episodes where you kind of need complicators, you know, like you need complications along the way. But they already have one built in, which is like this weird internal pain. So I guess... Maybe it would be sort of compounding things and and be redundant. I'm not. I'm not sure. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it is weird, but it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't really pay off later. And and he's interrupted. Maybe a spider sense was uh, alerting him to Mary Jane. She's mad at him. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, he answers the phone call from MJ, um, which I want to add. Put a pin in this for later. He definitely is answering her call on a cell phone, like a cell phone that flips oh. open. It doesn't look like a like a real cell phone. It looks like a 90s cartoon cell phone, but like it's not a it can't be a cord. It doesn't look like a cordless phone. It looks like a cell phone. Hmm. So put a pin in that for later. He answers the call and it's MJ. Of course, he answers it like, what do you want? Mary, <laughs> and Mary Jane's like, well, this is how you always answer the phone. Whatever. Yeah. And she's inviting him on a date and Ooh. kind of like <laughs> kind of like trying to force him on a date, yeah. which I think is smart because she's just like, you've been avoiding me. So I'm just going to put my foot down right now. Yeah. Um, I know that you want this. <laughs> you have been after me for freaking ever. So mm-hmm. we're uh, we're going to do this. But, you know, he refuses given his six armedness. <laughs> and she warns that she's coming over because, you know, she lives right next door. And when she arrives, Peter is already gone. I think, isn't this where she mentions that she's confused about Coney Island last week? Yeah. Which, yeah. <laughs> that was the episode Hydro Man, which is episode three. And we're in episode seven now, so... Well, it sort of lends credence to the sort of suspicion that the X-Men thing could have been placed anywhere if they wanted, if they really wanted to. Oh, uh, that's true. So it makes me wonder if that was in consideration at some point, and then it just ha- like. I don't know when it got worked out into being where it is, then it connected a little bit more, but that one doesn't really connect all that much anyway. So I don't know. Yeah. It's it's a little bit weird. weird. They could have completely excised those two episodes and everything still would have flowed perfectly fine. And I think this is sort of evidence of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. Either that or the X-Men crossover and the, the, uh, the Morbius stuff all happened in the span of seven days, um, which no. considering that there was a giant <laughs> kaiju battle in New York in the X-Men one, I feel like not possible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no way. <laughs> I like uh, that they at least reference Coney Island, though. Yeah, they do. I mean, I think it's – it's I, I, I do think the show is pretty clearly once you on MJ's side with this because for her, he's really yanking her around in a really ridiculous way because yeah. – He's been pursuing her for so long. She finally opens up to him after going through like a pretty extreme, like traumatic event. Mm -hmm. And then he dips out on her immediately after that. Like that's pretty fucked up, Peter. Oh, super fucked up. Yeah. I will say I feel very cheated out of the episode where Peter attempts to go on a date in a trench coat with six arms. (laughs) I don't know why he didn't try that considering Doc Ock exists in this universe. Right? (laughs) Um, no one seemed to suspect a thing when they were walking through the hotel. So come on, Peter. (laughs) 
cool. <laughs> <laughs> it would be very cool. It'd be a funny episode. <laughs> it would be. It would be. It would be funny. It would be funny. And, but but she'd recognize like what you're wearing a trench coat. Doesn't that mean you're a supervillain? That's true. Only bad guys wear trench coats in this mm-hmm. universe. Shoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, you popped that. <laughs> they 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 just they thought of everything. They, That's they, true. Airtight. They had to scrap that script. <laughs> so in an alley somewhere in the city. Morbius attacks a restaurant worker, disposing of the trash. Now here, I want to call out, because I, I put this picture in, but it's not really like a face of the episode or anything. So I think it's worth looking at it now. Yes. I will tweet this out. Scroll down to the name of that restaurant that is on the wall. Oh, I saw. And I feel like you're going to make me try to pronounce it. And oh, I don't think I, I can. I think if you try to pronounce it, you'll sound racist. <laughs> like the way that it's it, – like the, the second word is like spelled out I feel like in the way that like if someone trying to like make a really bad stereotype of like what the Chinese language sounds like, I feel like that's what the, the letters are. I don't I, think that that was like the intention, but like that's what the word put together is because other because otherwise mama and then I guess restaurante, which I don't think is spelled right. right no, like it, whoa, no, it's definitely not. <laughs> um, it's like Italian, I guess it's trying to go for. It's weird. Yeah, well, that's I think the funniest thing to me is that restaurante is not spelled in any way that is recognizable. It's yeah. not Italian. It's not French. It's not Spanish. Yeah. I don't know enough Romanian, but I'm going to guess that it's not Romanian. <laughs> like, yep. It's just it a is... collection of mama, enoi, enoi dog. Like, it's just a connection of le- a collection of letters. That's all it is. I'm going to go with a nog. <laughs> and I did, I did Google this just to make sure I wasn't some like weird uncultured swine. And that was like some actual restaurant in New York that I just had a bizarre name. First result is the wiki page for the Spider-Man animated wiki. So this doesn't. <laughs> Does this, this have is, its own page, this restaurant? No, it doesn't. Oh. Wouldn't that be great if it appeared multiple times? I'm trying to like rearrange the letters and it's still like it. There's, there's, I don't think there's anything. Like you could get going on, but then you're left with the two E's. So I don't. It's mostly, it's mostly oh, No, vowels. there's only one G. So you couldn't even do going on. I, this is, this is not a word. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. What, that's so weird. It makes me, you know what I wonder? The um, the newspaper, remember the newspaper from a couple weeks ago that had letters that were like obviously just not traced over properly until, right. and, and it like made them into other letters. I wonder if that could have happened here, but I'm not seeing what the word would have been. I don't know. So, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's totally, it's obviously gibberish. It's just like funny because it's very prominent and sits there for a couple seconds. Mm-hmm. Like it's really visible and it's just like, it's not even, it's not like Latin. It's not just like gibberish. I mean, it's not like, <laughs> it's not just like random letters or whatever. It's like, it's a weird collection of letters. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's probably like a collection of initials or it's, it's, it's some secret reference to something. Maybe. Maybe. It's just, I don't know how that's an accident. Like, I, it, yeah. it, even just as a random collection of letters, it doesn't make sense. That's true. Cause just, it's such a specific collection of letters. Yeah. Mm, the mm. Consp- a conspiracy is afoot. Yes. Yes. Well, this, I mean, that scene basically serves to remind us that like Morbius is still out there. It's yes. pretty much what this is for. So don't yes. forget that. I'm sure we will not forget the butthole no. hands. No, you could not. So, that, I mean, that scene is like literally a few seconds long. And then we cut right to something else, which is Spider-Man visiting Dr. Crawford and <laughs> revealing the results of taking the serum, which is I have four more arms. Um, <laughs> g- 
given what she's witnessing, Dr. Crawford kind of takes this pretty much in stride. Like she's sort of like, oh my goodness, what happened? But then like gets back down to business, scientist. And she takes like a new blood sample and smartly takes it from one of the new arms. Mm-hmm. And then like also while this is happening, tells Spider-Man about the disappearance of Michael Morbius and also how Spider-Man is being blamed for the disappearance of Michael Morbius. Yeah. Which Spider-Man is like, wait, what? Can I just say that when he exper- when he expresses disbelief, Crawford says, you mean it wasn't you that kidnapped him from the hospital? So <laughs> this whole time when you're helping him out, you were under the, under the assumption that he did kidnap someone from a hospital and you're just like, well... Oh. I'm just I'm just that loyal of a scientist. I'm going to going to do my duty. Like she's so nonchalant about it. She was like, "Oh, oh, I thought they were talking about you. I'm surprised that you didn't actually kidnap him." That's okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I guess the, yeah, weird timeline, but also you did mention last week that like she is calm in the face of pretty much everything. Yeah. Like to a <laughs> weird extent. <laughs> yes. Yes. I don't know. Super zanned out, I guess. Okay. <laughs> maybe you've got to be when she's in her line of work dealing with all these crazy mutant these crazy aggro mutants like her boyfriend (laughs) is like craven so (laughs) yeah yeah she's got it she's got a high dosage prescription yeah (laughs) (laughs) anyway she turns on the news uh as apparently this 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 spider-man kidnapping news story has just been on on like constantly and we see Felicia crying and saying she hates Spider-Man. I hate him with all my heart for doing this to Michael. And, and we get our obligatory, like, J. Jonah Jameson, like, TV spot where he's he's reaffirming how much Spider-Man sucks now. I feel like it's the first time we've seen Jameson in a while, actually, isn't it? It is. So, like, I'm happy to see him, but I, I feel like he's used solely as, like, an expository tool. Yeah. Uh, which is a bummer because I'm excited to see him. <laughs> it's weird because he was in like every episode of the first season and like a main character. And it mm-hmm. feels like he's kind of put on the sidelines for this season so far. But they also, I mean, there aren't really, they aren't really doing the Peter Parker photography thing very much. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, they mention it as a result of like MJ having a modeling gig, but never really from the, well, I guess they mention it in that episode too, where he has like the front page shot. Mm-hmm. But none of that's happening inside the Daily Bugle, which is kind of weird. Yeah, I guess they're focused on, I mean, because so far the season is very heavily focused on the mutation disease and his love life, pretty much. Yeah. They've kind of split focus between that. So, I mean, I guess it's understandable. They're just That's just not really where the story is at right now. I'm sure in later episodes, they'll kind of return to Bugle stuff. It's just kind of feels like we've been missing it for a while. Yeah, and I do miss it. Yeah, yeah. Either way, uh, that's happening. And the other person who was watching this news story while he's driving, he's watching TV while he's driving, by the way, (sighs) is the Punisher. (laughs) (laughs) He has a Tesla battle van. (laughs) Huge TV in there, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, He's watching that same newscast. Uh, Microchip excitedly tells him that capturing Spider-Man could redeem the Punisher in the eyes of the law. Because he wants his boyfriend to be back on the good side of the law. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, if if his boyfriend isn't constantly being chased by the cops, Mm -hmm. then they can go out on dates together at nice restaurants. Right, Okay, tell me you're not, like, you got the vibes, right? Like, I'm not just making up the fact that they're boyfriends. You're not making it up. It totally works. It's like, uh... And it's very particularly the relationship when it's like that uh, the other person is can see like what they want 
their significant other there be because they see mm-hmm. the best in them. But like, they're just <laughs> like, I just want to help you be better. I just need you to be better yeah. for this relationship to work. At the very, very least, Microchip is absolutely in love with the Punisher. Yeah. But I do believe least. that it is a full-blown relationship. I would like to think that. <laughs> Punisher's got to let loose somehow. I yeah. mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, the Punisher, however, um, doesn't care. Uh, <laughs> he's uh, So this is kind of a bummer. He doesn't care about the law. Um, he just wants to stop slime balls who prey on innocent lives. Microchip is like legit, like pleading for the Punisher to use the non-lethal ordinance this time. <laughs> and the Punisher agrees just this once. Also, the first of many times we will hear the phrase lethal force or non-lethal ordinance or just the word lethal. Yes, because they take the never say kill very, very seriously, even when they are saying don't kill. (laughs) (laughs) Don't kill him slash don't use lethal force against him. Yes. Oh, it's so funny because it's it's so funny because, again, as a kid, I probably had no idea what they meant when they were saying the non-lethal ordinance. Right, right. Even though I fully probably would have understand that he's being extreme and using lots of weapons. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's so funny. It also is very convenient that he is agreeing to his boyfriend's demands this one time when he right. happens to be on this show. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a cl- I think it's clever. I think yeah. it's I think it's a clever cl- very clever way to write around it. And it kind of makes the stakes really interesting because it makes because it it adds to the tension to it in a way because it's not just is the Punisher going to kill Spider-Man? It's like, is the Punisher going to kill Spider-Man, therefore abandoning his last thread of morality and like ruining his relationship with his boyfriend at the same time, you know? That's true. Like, I can make fun of the fact that they're saying, like, they're substituting kill with lethal, you know, ordinance or whatever. Um, But it is actually, like, very cleverly done. Um, Yeah, I think it works, ultimately. Like, I think it's actually a pretty... There's so many ways that it could have gone wrong where they just, like, totally nerfed him and he just showed up and just, like, (laughs) was shooting at people constantly but always missed or something. Like, And he was just really bad. They just made him really bad at his job. But, like, no, they give him a pretty valid reason. And and he does use lethal force sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's just um, when those moments happen, they're for dramatic moments. And it's always, like, against the better wishes of everyone else. And, and, you know, he's fighting within himself and stuff. So Yeah, they do a good job with that. Yeah. So at Manhattan Hospital, uh, Morbius appears. This is so weird. He appears on the side of a building. (laughs) um, And the news, who is just everywhere, uh, although I guess they were they were they were probably at the hospital talking to Felicia. Yeah, that's right. They claim that it must be Spider-Man on the side of the building because they couldn't possibly fathom how anyone else would get up there. He's just standing on a ledge outside of a window. He's standing there. He's not climbing. He's not flying. He's standing on a ledge. Do you know who Uh can stand on a ledge? Literally anyone who can walk. Yeah. Anyone who has access to a window or a roof and a building. (laughs) It's so bizarre that they're like, it must be Spider-Man. And everyone believes this. Everyone is like, what's Spider-Man doing over there? And here's the the thing. Here's the thing. I could buy it if you say, like, it's hard to convey it in animation, obviously. Like, we can see it's a clear outline of Morbius. But, you know, in real life, it will be dark, even with the spotlights on there. It'll be hard to see the shape. So maybe they couldn't be able to tell. I could argue that. Except, like, a couple scenes later, they point the spotlight on Spider-Man, the real Spider-Man, from the same position, and can very vividly, easily tell that he has six arms. Well, 
Well, here's <laughs> okay, but I do think you might be on the right track of what they were trying to do because there is a moment where they try to put the spotlight on Morbius and he ducks out of the way. Oh, that's true. So I guess we could understand that it is too dark to make out any details and that they never actually get the light on Morbius. So all mm. they're really seeing is a figure on the side of the building. I gotcha. And they can make the assumption that if it's another figure on the side of the building right near where the person was kidnapped by who they presume is that person, then yeah. like it, they can come to that reasonable conclusion that it was Spider-Man. I guess that makes sense. I can see it's how that tracks. Just, it's just so funny to watch because it's like so obviously Morbius. And like the animators don't try to make it unclear. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> especially because like spider-man immediately is like oh no that's morbius not just like that's, <laughs> that's not true. me he says like no that is morbius <laughs> that's true that's true <laughs> and when he when he recognizes that it's morbius he immediately sort of thwips off to the hospital despite dr crawford being like no like something's going to happen to you if you don't just stay put and take care of this mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Always, always the reasonable passive Dr. Crawford that no one ever listens to. Nope. This <laughs> is, I will say, this is at least a good use of Spider-Man feels guilty about Morbius, therefore yes. must act. This yes. fits into that. Lots yeah. of other stuff this episode does not. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes, yes, yes. Definitely does. So when Spider-Man arrives, Morbius is surprised <laughs> at Spider-Man having four extra arms. Mm-hmm. Um, understandably. This would be a great moment for Spider-Man to be like, hey, I'm going through something similar to what you're going through. You know, right. we're both we're both dealing with a neogenic mutation. Maybe we can work together. I know you're a scientist. I listened to your voice recorder. So maybe we can work together on this. But no, instead he's like, I'm going to do a Spider-Man quip. Let's fight. And that's <laughs> the, the, what happens is what you expect. And this is the first of at least two times where he kind of fucks over Michael for no real particular reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we're not just saying that. Like the show basically portrays it that way uh-huh. especially the second time <laughs> uh-huh yeah very very strange uh that he just like explicitly ignores michael in times when he should be paying attention to him i know <laughs> you know you it's not a misunderstanding anymore he knows the full no. story he knows michael doesn't want to be this so like appeal to that dude what are you doing yeah so strange bad decision making six-armed spider-man <laughs> <laughs> um well he well six-armed spider-man makes another bad decision uh though an unconscious <laughs> one and tries to shoot web from one of his extra arms which as we know, uh, wouldn't have a web shooter on it. <laughs> um, so he's like, oh, shoot. Like, he actually makes a funny joke about this, too, where he's like, oh, man, normally I just have to decide left or right. Yeah, it's so, a, that's, well, that's really clever. clever. It's really clever. I, I kind of like that. And then I'll, I mean, I guess there's only so much you can do with, like, the extra arm stuff. So I'm glad that they throw in a little details of, like, how that would kind of complicate his... Uh, his spider manning because like what yeah. is that what is it like to spontaneously have extra limbs like what uh, well <laughs> Again, what does that feel like it's horrible it feels horrible <laughs> you know what i'm surprised by i'm actually surprised and impressed at their ability to animate a Dude. humanoid character with six arms right because it should look terrible and it it never does no it actually looks really cool sometimes especially when he's like like upside down on his webbing, like hung down and everything. Like they yeah. put him in really cool positions. They can give him really cool, like fighting stances. Like it's a really cool design. His arms are never like just hanging there. They're frequently doing things. Yeah. They're frequently doing things independently of his sort of primary arms and right. of each other. And, and, and they didn't distort his proportions in order to pull it off. Yeah. It's I'm just really like stunned. Impressive. 
It's like one of those things where it's sort of like they seem like they put a lot of resources into the Hydra Man episode because they needed yeah. to animate Hydra Man. And this is another point where like they didn't put the resources into these episodes in particular, but mm-hmm. they seem to put resources at least into Six Armed Spider-Man as yeah. a whole. Yeah, this feels like one of those things they would have had to do sort of like extensive sort of test work on to be like, how would this move? I, I would like, I hope, hope so bad that they rigged up some sort of like or no, even better. <laughs> I want to imagine that they they did like reference drawings, but they just had like a person standing behind another person with like their arms pretending to be <laughs> more arms. <laughs> oh God, please let that be real. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, uh, and you know, they even have the added like um, complication of his arms just being so bulky and huge so yeah. like if he was like a slender spider-man you'd at least have more room along his torso to throw in the arms but like they're huge and they yeah, never they're not f- like weird baby arms right they they're gigantic bodybuilder arms and but they still don't feel like it's like overstuffed on his body or anything yeah that's that is definitely something easy to take for granted but worth praising yeah because my god that'd be hard but in any case, he uses one of those extra arms improperly, which gives Morbius the opportunity to escape. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, the police below do finally get to manage to hit something with a spotlight, and they <laughs> hit Spider-Man, and they immediately see his extra arms, and a news reporter says, he turned into a freak. <laughs> it turned into one. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I guess they don't understand how his powers work. So this is like definitively freakish, but like you all think he's a freak already. Let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Punisher witnesses this from the nearby building, also kind of like weirded out by the arms, uh-huh. <laughs> as is everyone, as they should be. Oh, yeah. Then he equips himself with a jetpack and <laughs> begins his pursuit of Spider-Man. He finds him pretty like quickly and like attempts to wrangle him, but then uh, Spider-Man webs away with his grapple gun, and Punisher puts a tracer on Spidey and uses it to set off a flare at Spidey's location. Yeah, I really like this sequence and the immediately following sequence. Mm-hmm. I think they do a really good job portraying the Punisher's relationship to his technology. Yeah. And making it unique and different from things we've seen before and feel, I don't know, like it's all absurd, but it never really feels that absurd. So whoever kind of wrote the technology pieces of this did such a bang up job. Like it's so good. Like he uses like a weird grapply gun to try to get Spider-Man and then Spider-Man like pulls it away from him, but he doesn't really skip a beat. He like I don't know. He never skips a beat. He's just always like uh, yeah. on it. It's so good. I think that's part of it because he's the confidence at which he's using everything is really well handled. Like he doesn't, there's never any like silly little quips and he never is like calling out what he's doing. Like it's always just like, he just presses a button. He just like looks at something and these like things pop out of his van or pop out of his jetpack or whatever into his hands and they work immediately. And they always make sense too. Like it always is a thing where he's clearly using it for a very calculated reason to like yeah. get to his next step. And it's all like, it's well-written and it's well-animated. And like, I think it also helps that he just like, just has a constant scowl on his face the entire yeah. time. <laughs> so it's just like, it makes it kind of extra. It's like cool in the same way that like any action hero, like just walking in front of an explosion with 
sunglasses yeah. on where it's just sort of like they're just so unfazed by all the wackiness that it helps you buy into it as well. It's also like the kind of unabashedly over the top, like not self-deprecating sort of action technology weirdness that I don't think you can pull off anymore. Like he literally is being followed around by a van that's being driven by nobody. And <laughs> yeah. he's and he's he's telling his van to just like do things and it's just doing bizarre things. And like there's no sort of like wink or nod nod, nothing like that. It's just like it's just happening. Yeah. And the fact that you said like it's happening with so much confidence and it's very nonchalant and he's straight faced the whole time. It's sort of like even as absurd as you realize it is, you just kind of buy into it because it's just happening and there's no commentary on it. Right. Right. Yeah. It's really that. well done. It's I love it, too. Yeah, it's it's really well done. I'm just trying to see. I think is this the point where like we get a cut to Terry Lee trying to like call it an APB. On oh, him? yeah. <laughs> I, um so i think so it it's so brief um, it's so funny it's so funny it's wild to me that she's even in this episode like at yeah. all yeah and and she's she's in it for like a couple blips of of time like that's first time we've really seen not her that much. first time we've seen her since the mysterio episode right has she appeared since then i don't remember i don't think so i think yeah. she was like largely a character for that episode right yeah, yeah, and then she just kind of disappeared until now, hmm. and she gets a couple of lines. I just love when she's calling in, she's like, that's right, I said a skull on his chest. No, it's not a tattoo. Yeah. There's so many things about that shirt. that are hilarious to me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good. The fact that it's sort of like, out of all of this, the thing that they're tripping up on, a, a six-armed Spider-Man fighting a flying vampire, and the thing that they're tripping up on is like a skull on a guy's shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I love it. Yeah, and that gets mentioned multiple times, like the absurdity of the skull on his shirt, <laughs> yeah. which I appreciate just as, you know, somebody in uh, the year 2020 who sees that symbol abused. Oh, yikes. <laughs> I like that yes, they, yes. Uh, they call out the absurdity of the symbol in a subtle way. <laughs> yes, they do. Well, some of the technology that I think is like especially cool happens here. Uh, Punisher uses like this liquid silicon blast thing to basically like wash spider-man <laughs> off the side of a building which i think is pretty clever yeah and they don't over explain it he just they don't ever they don't ever explain any of his technology you have to listen to him say it and then it it just happens so like mm -hmm. you can watch it and see what it's doing but it's really clever when you listen to what he calls everything so um yeah, yeah that's like a, a some sort of silicone blast so you realize like there's no way for him to stick to the building because it's coding the building basically and the police and Daily Bugle sort of like see this happen, take note of the confrontation. This is sort of where everybody's like, wait a second, who's this guy in the skull shirt? Like somebody get me information on that. Jonah's literally asking Robbie, like, I need info on this guy because this, this is all just like happening out in the open. Like there's no secrecy here. There's right. no subtlety to what the Punisher does. Right. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's 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 really it's really it's funny considering how chaotic all of this is. Mm -hmm. So the idea that like people are actually watching it go down, yeah, with no context for who any of these people are or yes. what's actually going on, <laughs> <laughs> like it must look bonkers. Yeah, well, there's no context for the Punisher, and then Spider-Man suddenly has six arms. So like, even the <laughs> thing you are used to is like wildly different than what you expect. Mm -hmm. It's just mm -hmm. and it's just happening suddenly. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's so funny. right. It's like, this all started with a college student getting kidnapped. Like, this is out of control. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah, they, like, can't keep up with the story. Like, <laughs> like the yeah. updates are happening too fast. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So Spider-Man attempts to escape by uh, by webbing to the bottom of a helicopter. I think it's like the, one of the police helicopters that are there. Yeah, I think so. I, it's, it's hard to tell because they're not in like police outfits, but they can't be like, I don't think they're news copters. So I'm assuming they're police. Yeah. So he webs on the bottom of a helicopter. Um, <laughs> to prevent the escape, the Punisher summons a missile launcher from his, I think it comes from his battle van, right? Yep. Or does it come? Yeah. Yeah. Almost all of these things are like launched from the battle van, like to Wild. his location. Like Wild. it's basically like using GPS. I wish they would show like a satellite because that would be like such a cool shot. Yeah. It's basically like using GPS to like send him things. Yeah. So cool. It's really cool. We didn't even really mention like the flare thing. Like the tracer works because the van sent a flare to the location where That's the right. tracer was signaling. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. Man, they do some cool, so much cool stuff with them. They really do. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he summons a missile launcher out of his battle van. Extra. Um, which, by the way, a missile launcher is a lethal weapon. It's going to blow you up and kill you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, Microchip, recognizing that it's a lethal weapon, shakes his head in disappointment at his boyfriend. They're definitely going to have a talk tonight, and they're... Mm-hmm. Probably going to go to bed angry without doing anything. Yeah. Punisher's on the couch. Uh Uh-huh. So (laughs) here's the thing. (laughs) I think I already know the thing. Yeah. He uh, he shoots this missile, right? Uh It's it's a missile in Uh New York City with skyscrapers. Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) <laughs> Luckily for Spider-Man, you know, the police copter, they just happen to be moving and they move just, just the right speed. So the missile just breaks through the webbing and gets, you know, let's, 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 you know, Spidey not get hit by the missile. Where does the missile go? This is baffling to me because <laughs> Punisher acts as though this was like intentional, that like it was a fake out lethal weapon thing because it hits the web kind of perfectly when he calls for the missile launcher he mentions like account for extreme wind conditions like from the helicopter Mm -hmm. and he like i don't know if he smiles cleverly or he like i don't know if he says something but the impression i got was that like microchip was like oh phew like he didn't kill anything and punisher was like of course i didn't you know what i mean like that that went over my head because i think i was too distracted by where the fuck did the missile go in the city full of skyscrapers that's what makes it more confusing to me if the goal was not to hit one of those two things where did you think the missile was going where did it end up what was its destination people are dead only ever meant to hit the web where did it go? <laughs> one shot. One shot of it just like going into the Hudson River where everything goes to die. Like yes. one shot would have been fine. But no, it just disappears. People are dead. People are dead. He just, yeah. he's, that was this terrorist attack in New York again. Good job, buddy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it also, if they had shown it go like spiral into the river, that would have like lent credence to my sort of like theory that he meant to miss. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Ugh, I don't know. Very, Which, but very then, bizarre. But then the theory, if he meant to miss, he used a missile launcher to break one strand of webbing. Yeah, that's one of those things that's like so transparently like writing, like writer tension. You know what I mean? Because I think, I don't know if they cut to a commercial or not, but it would have been the perfect place for him to like summon a missile launcher and then have everybody scared and then like cut to a commercial and have him not hit anything. I don't know. But it's like, that's what it is, right? Like, because we're wondering, (laughs) can he hold his temper? Can he keep from trying to kill Spider-Man? There's no reason for him to use a missile launcher whatsoever. (laughs) He has so many other tools. He's a van full of tools. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, he's just extra. You know what? He was probably figuring, like, either I'm going to break the webbing or I'm going to blow him up. 
either way's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. This is another point where there's a very cool and calling it out as an animation is weird because it's like mostly a still frame. But while Spider-Man is hanging from the helicopter, he's experiencing that like extreme pain again. Mm-hmm. So this is one of those moments where you have like his arms doing different things. Yeah. And so like one's hanging on. Some of the other ones are like holding himself like while he's doubled over. I think another one's like trying to help him move, but he can't like, it's just a cool scene. Yeah. Or a cool frame, I guess. Yeah. I noticed that too. It's really, yeah, it is really cool. God, they do such cool stuff with his arms. Yeah. Now I kind of wish they did <laughs> have him have all the arms for longer before he transformed yeah. further. Yeah. But I'm sure it was really taxing on the uh, Gosh, would have been such a nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) So um, Robbie fills in J. Jonah Jameson about the identity of the Punisher, Mm -hmm. reveals that he is Frank Castle, who was a violent vigilante implicated in the quote-unquote disappearance Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) of a number of prominent crime figures. So I love love that Jameson, being Jameson, his first instinct is like, okay, cool, so... He uh, he's he's a vigilante after Spider-Man. He's a hero, right? We're gonna pull another Mysterio, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but Robbie like kind of shuts us out immediately because it's like, dude, he uh, kills people, or no, sorry, he uses lethal force. Right. So therefore, he is bad. <laughs> I love this line delivery too, where he's just like, <laughs> he's known to use lethal force. And you're like, oh no. <laughs> that is a thing normal people say. Exactly. <laughs> Credit to all the actors for I know. Not well, they probably all laughed, but they're all saddled with these ridiculous yeah. lines. Like, yeah. credit to all the actors all the time. Because, <laughs> like, the writing the writing on this show is great, but this show itself is ridiculous. And oh, therefore, yeah. everything that they say is, like, so dumb, but they yeah. make it work. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> well, while Spider-Man is hanging from that, or rather, as a result of the missile breaking the web that he's hanging from, I guess is the way to put it. Punisher's able to, like, catch him in a net while he's falling. So he, like, kind of has him in this net that's attached to this... I don't know what you call... Is it, like, a pulley? I don't know what that thing's called. Oh, yeah. It's There's a name for it, but whatever. I don't know what it's called. But he's, like, he's like um, reeling him in with, like, this rope attached to the net. I don't know. He's got him in a net. Whatever. That's what's important. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Spider-Man manages to, like, break free of that net using his six arms. I think he even says, like these arms are coming in handy. So they yeah. do allow it to be both a strength and a weakness, which is good. Um, Cause it sort of, it sort of plays into the sort of the, like getting used to it and unknownness of these arms. Right. Um, which I like, but the Punisher doesn't allow him to get far uh, because he has another gadget, which is a spooge gun. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe uh, it. <laughs> spooge gun. <laughs> yep. Uh, to stick Spider-Man to a nearby building with some sort of goop. That could have been any color, but is white. (laughs) Of course it is. Of course it is. (laughs) He's just just thinking about microchip. Anyway, (laughs) anyway, uh, Spider-Man does break from the spooge easily. Mm -hmm. It's sticky, but it's not like concrete, so it's okay. Um, And in turn, uh, webs the Punisher to a nearby building. Um, And of course, the Punisher, he's all mad and he vows he'll find (laughs) Spider-Man. And next time I'm using lethal force oh that's the best the best instance of them using that phrase so good it's so good because it's the least threatening and most threatening thing so good like most threatening thing in the episode least threatening thing for anyone to say to anyone ever (laughs) 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 next time 
I'm using lethal force. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. I love it so much. It's so yeah. good. I yeah, love it. it's really uh, good. Well, Spider-Man does escape because he webbed Punisher to the wall. Uh, so we we now know definitively uh, that the webbing is stronger than the spooge, uh, which is a good thing to know. <laughs> um, well, the <laughs> can't like not find that funny because I'm 12. Uh, um, yeah. Anyway... So Punisher is stuck to this building and the police basically like surround him and they, they, it's so extreme. They're using like grappling ropes. Like they're rappelling down the side of the building in order to, to like surround him. It's cool, but it's, it's super extra and I'm glad they did it. Yeah. And he recognizes that they're, they're trying to apprehend him. So he orders microchip and his battle van to cut him free using a laser I, I don't remember what he calls it, but he calls it like escape protocol something, something. <laughs> yeah. or, I don't know. It's really funny. Yeah. And he ultimately like escapes from the side of the building, uses a, a beautiful purple parachute to land without breaking his legs and then drives off in his van. Yes, he does. After this, I don't know why this happens. This is where I will have a lot to say. <sighs> oh, okay. I'm excited because I all I have to say is why. Spider-Man has another origin story flashback, mm-hmm. which, hey, you know what? I'm, I get it. It's an easy way to fill in time. It's an easy way to get him to have a motivation to do something or come to a conclusion. It's just a common thing. It's, it's, I think it's kind of a crutch sometimes, but I, I can see it works sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't. I don't understand it this time. It's a pretty basic one remembering him. Uh, he just has a flashback to when he was a wrestler um, and he let the criminal go. Criminal killed Uncle Ben. And then he found out that criminal that he killed Uncle Ben was a criminal he let go. Same story you've heard before. I think we've even seen scenes of these this, this particular flashback in earlier episodes. And what supposedly prompted this was him like not wanting to do the right thing or like thinking about himself and, and not putting himself before others. And that makes him realize he wants to do the right thing about Mor- Morbius? Uh, what I, do you what are your thoughts on this? I okay. <laughs> I said last week that the the last episode and this episode really struggle to like draw the lines between the dots that are very obviously there, I think. Yeah. And so like in the last episode it was I see the monster, I don't want to become the monster, which could have been the motivation but wasn't. Mm-hmm. This time you've introduced a character that is obviously struggling with abusing power in order to help others which is not using power responsibly and then you have a flashback where spider-man learns to use his powers responsibly and you never draw the parallel you never connect the lines it's so weird to me because this flashback could have played into some sort of narrative or theme of him simultaneously turning into a monster gaining new powers seeing this other guy that is escalating the conflict and choosing not to like rise to the level of that escalation because you're recognizing that like the power responsibility balance is important still like there's Mm. something there that could have been explored further with regards to the punisher Mm. But instead, they're so focused on Spider-Man feeling guilty about, quote, creating Morbius that they keep, like, drawing back to that in ways that I don't think make sense. So, like, this flashback could have been utilized really well in this episode where somebody is abusing power, hmm. but they they don't connect it at all. And I don't understand why. It just, I don't, I don't get it. I, I don't I, I'm really, really struggling because I feel like the dots are big and bright and flashing and they never connect them. 
Right. That's a really that's a really good point, and that's not one that I I really picked up on myself. That's actually really that's really insightful, and it's baffling. It's weird, right? That it wasn't taken this way. Yeah, especially given how much focus that the Punisher gets in this episode. This is very much a Punisher episode. Yeah, more than it is a Morbius episode. He's just kind of like incidental here, and it's just like the consequences of things are are Morbius. So yeah, it's weird, and it's also the fact that. This flashback didn't really feel like it didn't feel like it was a necessary point. Like it wasn't it didn't feel like a point in the episode or in Peter's arc where he's seriously doubting things and needs that affirmation. Yeah, it seems to kind of come out of nowhere. So the fact that they made this big deal out about about Peter kind of amping himself up and having this little revelation or whatever (laughs) at all is weird. And then the fact that it didn't even tie into what was just happening is even weirder. And what's especially strange to me is all the ingredients are right there. It's not like there are things that they would have additionally had to introduce to this episode. Because if Morbius is sort of the background story of what's going on, that's fine. Because you have the Punisher as this newly introduced character. You have Spider-Man with new powers being challenged by somebody who's escalating things so it might have felt repetitive but all you really would have had to do using the exact same ingredients is have spider-man sort of rise to that escalation and catch himself doing that so like punisher is trying not to use lethal force he is using things close to or exactly the definition of lethal force spider-man responds to that with his new powers his new arms i don't know maybe he chokes out the punisher maybe he uses his (laughs) new arms to almost throw him off a building whatever it might be Mm -hmm. and then catches himself doing that while the punisher is like ready to justify his escalation that way and then you have your flashback that like snaps him out of it have we seen it before yes would it make sense with the ingredients right in front of our face yes yeah and then so like From there, you roll into, what am I doing with the Punisher? I should be helping Morbius. So not only only do you have this, like, realization of I still need to maintain my responsibility to my powers as opposed to what the Punisher's doing, it's a reminder to pay more attention to Morbius, who's been in the background of this episode the whole time. So you wouldn't Mm. have to, like, increase the presence of Morbius. You wouldn't have to change what the Punisher's doing. You would just need to slightly tweak what Peter's doing with his powers. Well, we've already had the setup in the last episode of how aggro he was being towards yeah! everybody. So it's weird that like now that he's in kind of more uh, overt extreme circumstances that he even was in the last one, he's weirdly calm about the, the forearm thing this whole time. This and will be a being perfect... like nearly killed by someone. Like there's somebody yeah. nearly killing him. So, like, of all times to escalate, like, it makes so much sense. It's weird because I don't even think it's a drastic rewrite of the no, episode. No, not at all. So, it's, yeah. it's, I was so I was so confused uh, because the explanation for the flashback was apparently Morbius. And I don't even think that the connection to Morbius and that flashback makes any sense. Right. And it's like he already has – he already feels a responsibility yeah. for Morbius. Like, that's not a new thing. He has so... from the moment he learned how Morbius became Morbius. Yeah. Oh, weird. It's it's very confusing to me, I, and I I I I don't know. I just like I'm very baffled by that. So it's weird because I was in I, for this episode specifically. I was like really into everything that was happening, uh-huh. and then that took me entirely out. Where I was like, what is this episode trying to do? Um, and I I don't know anymore. 
Yeah, it's really <laughs> this whole. I think it's kind of indicative for this whole season. It seems like Sans the Hydra Man episode, which I feel like is different because it's it's the most standalone that we've gotten out of any of these. Is that it's just a really it's all really messy in a really particular way. You know, like it's always clear that there yeah. are good ideas and good through lines and a lot of good stuff. But it's like somewhere along the way, somebody's having trouble putting the pieces together in a way that makes sense. And either they they run out of time to do a last rewrite and to like refine it a little bit. Or there's like a few ideas that they want to work in that might not actually work, but they try to work it in anyway. Yeah. I don't know. It's just it's it's weird because it I don't feel like we had this problem in the first season. The first season had plenty of of weak spots and plenty mm-hmm. of like weirdness, but I don't know that I'd call a lot of those episodes like messy per se. Like they were all usually like reasonably like tight or at least like cohesive in within their own bubbles. And I think we talked about this last week, but I wonder if it's just like trying to find their legs with arc storytelling is a little bit more of a challenge than maybe they realize because all of this just seems like they're almost there. Like they're almost there. They just like miss these really bizarre hurdles and it just makes it kind of disjointed. When we talked about Spectacular Spider-Man, I talked about driving in a car and looking at items that were different distances away and the speed at which they move. And I think Spectacular balanced that perfectly where it was like that thing so far in the background it can't move very fast. Like mm-hmm. we'll get to it when we get to it. And then the things that were close to you were happening fast because it was the story of that particular episode. Right. This series hasn't figured that out yet, which makes sense because it was happening well before Spectacular did. Sure. But I think that's the problem is like they can't figure out what to prioritize in any given episode because they have all the pieces all the time. Hmm. And they're struggling to figure out like what speed to have certain things happen at. That's interesting. That makes a lot of sense, actually. So, like, Morbius is in the background of this episode, and he shouldn't go away because he's part of it. He's just not very close to us at the moment. So making things super consequential to him is, like, bizarre because you have something far closer to you in The Punisher. So it's like the speeds are off. It's like a weird sort of lack Hmm. of prioritization of which things should be close and which things should be far away. It's like all I can chalk it up to. Yeah. Like yeah. This, co- this compulsion to make sure that Morbius is consequential when just having him there is enough. Yeah, they are. in the, Yeah, no, you're right. I think that that actually helps a lot because it, the problems, particularly with this flashback, but even in the last one, it's sort of like trying to shoehorn in Morbius to make sure that like we're reminded that he's there or reminded of his importance, like when it's not really necessary to do that. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. This this episode could have ended with the conclusion that more like it could have been it could have been something that was really close to us in the last episode. So it was happening fast. It was front of mind. It was everything driving the story moved further away for this episode. And then by the end of this episode sort of indicated like we're going to get back to that because the realization is I shouldn't be focusing so much on the Punisher and escalating whatever I'm doing. I should be focusing on Morbius. That's what's right. That's what my responsibility is, you know, and it would have been an understandable distraction because Punisher is trying to kill him. Um, hmm. And I, and I, you know, obviously the, this is not fully resolved by the end of this episode. So it's not like it would have very cleanly tied up at the end to just be like, I won't worry about the Punisher, <laughs> but it could end up being one of those things where it's like, I can't go head to head with the Punisher while this other thing is important to me. And then it becomes yeah. sort of this like 
this like Spider-Man is pursuing Morbius to help him. Punisher is pursuing Spider-Man to stop him. And they all kind of have their priorities in line as opposed to Morbius just being in the background while these two clash. This yeah. first episode could have been that. The second episode could be sort of that like multi-tier chase, for lack of a better term, sort of set up by this realization that Spider-Man's putting his priorities in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, we're doing probably more rewriting than is appropriate for us to do, but like, I do well, think they had everything right there. It was right there. That was, I was, I was just thinking that while you're saying that it's sort of like, cause I always feel weird. We, yeah. I always feel weird. And I, I, I get annoyed when like other people do this where it's just sort of like, well, let me tell you my version of how I want this to go. But like, I think the difference is that like, where I don't think we want we don't want to rewrite what they're trying to do. It's more just like rearranging, <laughs> rearranging a little bit what they have because it, I th- it's it's something that I think they would have come to on their own if they had like one more stage of rewriting on this or something. Like yeah. it's just like the screws are weirdly loose in places that that kind of harm the overall like themes of the episodes or the overall like through line of them. Well, I think that's exactly it. Like, I don't think we're doing anything that's not building on the themes that are already established. Like, I think that's how you and I operate is like, where are the themes? Yeah. And what are they doing to fulfill them? Right. And I think the theme was established in the last episode to be a don't become the monster thing. And in this one, the theme is pretty, pretty well established that like, don't abuse the power type thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So like... I don't know. I just because if you abuse the power, you become the monster. Like it's all kind yeah. of tied in. Yeah. So you end up with these longer thematic things. I, I just want them to land where they intend to land, and I'm just like I think they're just like slightly off. They're like not on the bullseye. They're like a couple yeah. rings out. Yeah. Right. Right. It's all it's all there floating in the ether. It's just like nothing is grounded enough. <sighs> floating around like Morbius. <laughs> <laughs> it's defying gravity yes yes um well hey speaking of morbius there is actually a little bit left this episode that does focus like on him um just not quite in the way that i wish it would so yeah so they they refocus on morbius through this flashback somehow and spider-man's basically like i gotta find morbius and so he does this in a way that's like confusing but clever (laughs) Mm -hmm. i think my brain just doesn't operate the right way to fully understand how this is working (laughs) yeah It's a little, little like, it's a little techno babbly, but I, I do actually, it, I'm convinced it makes sense. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think, I'm, I'm not really sure. He, he has Michael's tape recorder and he basically uses like certain character, like prominent sounds from the recording to determine locations. And then he uses like math and speed estimates to determine like how far could he have gotten from the last checkpoint. Yeah from wherever the next place is right so sure if the first place he identified was a music store he would then travel however far he thinks morbius could have gone and then looks for like the next characteristic sound not the most efficient way to do this but i don't know what other way he would have done it except that he knows exactly who morbius is so he probably could have narrowed it down to a couple specific locations <laughs> to investigate whatever he's a it's scientist cool. <laughs> yeah, it's cool it's cool sciencey detectiving stuff yeah, I, I appreciate it's different. It's different from what we normally get. So I'm cool with that. It's a very like procedural CSI style thing. But, you know, it's it's fine. <laughs> I like the swing and it feels like fully in character for the the types of writing that's happening on this episode anyway. Yeah. Like when you look at all the stuff the Punisher is doing and how like intricately 
considered those things are, there's no way that Peter doesn't do something sciencey to try to find Morbius, right? Sure, sure. <laughs> and you know, we we already have that tape recorder established. Like yeah. we had that since the last episode. So I think that was a pretty clever like idea to be like, this is his one connection that he has to Morbius, so why not yeah. continue to use that? I do appreciate that. That's yeah. that's a it's good good use of that. Yeah. Um and I think it's around it's I guess it's happened a couple of times, but like I don't know if we mentioned, but like we've cut a little bit back to um back and forth between like Mary Jane and Aunt May where, where they're kind of worried about Peter oh, disappearing. Yeah. I only wanted, it's not, it's really not important. Um, but I just wanted to call that back out because I mentioned it earlier that Mary Jane specifies that Peter has to be home because she talked to him on the phone. Peter was clearly on his cell phone. So he didn't have to. Oh, just saying. Yeah. I'm sure they wrote it with the cordless phone in mind. <laughs> because I mean, and it was 1995. So like yeah. not everyone had a cell phone. I think it actually is weird to think that Peter would have a cell phone. Yeah, I feel like I that's the wrong part of this. I think it should be a cordless phone. But it is funny that they drew a cell phone for him. Oh, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> and she's like, but he has to be home. It's like, that's not how cell phones work, dear. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Also, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up because he does all of this sciencing stuff in his bedroom. Like, yeah. while Mary Jane and Aunt May are downstairs discussing this, he's like, oh, I got to be really quiet. <laughs> he says so right funny. before he presses play on the tape recorder without any headphones and just plays it in his room. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the characteristic quiet. sound of which is loud rock music. <laughs> That's what he's looking for is loud rock music. <laughs> oh, boy, Peter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, this it does end up working. He's able to sort of backtrack through the music store we've mentioned, a large fountain, and then ultimately screeching bats, which is sort of what, what brings him to this abandoned tower. And he he finds Morbius working in the lab. It's kind of a lair, but it's a lab. And apparently the Punisher has been following along the whole time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Spider-Man does his Spider-Man thing. By confronting Morbius and instead of, oh. talking, instead of talking to him again for the second time, he just fucks shit up with Morbius for no reason <laughs> other than just, just saying, hey, buddy, let's have a chat. He just jumps in and kicks him and tosses him into his equipment and, you know, breaks all of the stuff that Morbius was working on to which Morbius shouts, I was working on a cure, which Spider-Man knows that he wants. Yep. But uh, punch first, ask questions later, I guess. At least it's called out in this one. I'm so glad yeah. it's called out. Because it's not called out in The Night of the Lizard. It's no. very much called out in this one. Morbius explicitly says, like, what are you doing? Yes. Like, you've doomed me. <laughs> like, yeah. what yeah. the heck, man? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Again, and if this was if this was all operating on the idea that Peter's been, like, super aggro the entire time and not really in his right mind and has just been, like having a hard time, then it will be fine. But otherwise yeah. it just looks like a big jerk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So kind of sucks. Morbius is understandably angry and attempts once again to feed on Spider-Man, but he still comes to his senses and flies off. Honestly, Spider-Man deserved to be feeded on by this point. Like yeah. just do it. <laughs> just do it. Actually. It's funny. Cause they, they handle Morbius's anger really well because yeah. He he always like sort of makes the decision to attack Spider-Man when Spider-Man wrongs him, which is like the most easy thing to understand, right? Like I've been trying not to hurt you Spider-Man, but you just drop kicked me and all of my research. So, fuck off, I'm stealing your plasma. Like mm-hmm. who wouldn't be like, "Yeah, I get it." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
so they they handle all of his anger like really well. <laughs> yeah. I like Mor- Morbius. I feel very sorry for Morbius in this episode, especially. Like, yeah, I yeah, he's uh super sympathetic, and Spider Man does not come out looking very good with no. dealing with him, nope. considering how many freaking revelations he's had about wanting to help him or whatever. Like, yeah. the fact that he still is being so bad at helping him really sucks. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. Like his 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 primary motivation is supposedly wanting to help Morbius, and he never actually does anything that evidences a desire to help Morbius. He just kicks just him. Just to stop Morbius. He just keeps kicking him. Yeah. Stop like kicking, kicking Morbius. Him. <laughs> <laughs> no more kicking. <laughs> uh, well, Morbius exits and the Punisher enters. So Enter the Punisher. <laughs> ooh. Um, he, he blasts the tower wall open and attempts to blow Spider-Man up with a grenade. Spider-Man thwips off and like, the, I think the entire clock tower just collapses. It looks like like that looks it's a shot of a building falling down. <laughs> sure so, seems like it does. <laughs> that's uh mm, yikes. Big yikes. Big yikes. And anyway, we don't comment on that, I guess. Uh he just Punisher just blew up and imploded an entire building and the Punisher is continuing to use lethal weapons against Spider-Man to uh, against him uh much to his boyfriend's dismay. Ugh, um Microchip is so sad. I know. I know. I Poor microchip. Know. Yep. The Punisher does land a hit, causing Spider-Man to land in a nearby warehouse. Oh, back at a warehouse again. Ah. Uh, and, it's, and it's a box warehouse. It's a warehouse of boxes. So <laughs> All the boxes. <laughs> all the boxes. All the wooden boxes. And Spider-Man, of course, experiences more of his excruciating pain. He doubles over. He's crawling around, trying to get away. But uh, his costume tears further until dun 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 we see a creepy clawed hand yes yes just after that the punisher does arrive to finish the job but is confronted by man spider who isn't called man spider yet but we know that that's who it is yeah i mean <laughs> what else are you calling to call a spider man man spider i <laughs> I always thought that was the funniest thing to call him. It's so funny. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> I, like it. I mean, and there's also a man bat in Batman mythos yep. too. Same yep. Deal, Which is so. a more bat-like man. Yep. Yep. Than so, man-like bat. Yeah. It's actually really clever. It's That's a really <laughs> clever way to handle things. It's like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it does its job very well. Yeah. Yeah. It works. Great design too. I'm sure we'll talk about it more next oh, week. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. sure. But uh, yeah, it's a good little horrifying transformation and a mm-hmm. good, uh, again, God, wish I could like have wiped this from my memory and just like seen it again. Because yeah. <laughs> damn, man, especially knowing that he didn't, he wasn't in the comics, so no one would have any idea that he's gonna turn into a giant spider monster. Yeah, that's it's so wild. I, I'm still waiting for like someone to just be like, um, you're completely missing this one panel where man spot. Like, I don't know, I have no yeah. idea because it's still so unbelievable that this is sort of the originating man spider i don't know and then again such a such a wild moment to end the season on episode because you only see a flash of man spider before you realize the episode's over you're like oh crap i gotta wait wait another week for this yeah just like with the six arms Uh uh-huh uh-huh yep yep Yep, because it is yet another probably of what we'll have in every single episode, another to be continued. <laughs> yep. Yeah. They, well, they've nailed that part of the, the serialization. Yeah. You know, the sort of like, here's a little bit. Make sure you tune in again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ending every episode pretty much on a cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's good. It's good. 
Cool, 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 cool. So, faces of the episode. I've got a couple. It's not really a face. It was just it's just a good screen cap when you have the captions <laughs> with it. Big Daddy. Uh <laughs> If you know me, <laughs> both of those things individually are good and both of those things put together are like, ooh. So, there's a mob boss or not a mob, I don't know, some cr- whatever the one of the criminal guys that uh that Punisher is going after in the beginning of the episode. With with all like the, the the like glam criminal people, one dude isn't glammy. He's just like a big beefy big daddy, mm-hmm. and he doesn't really do much. But uh, a girl says, "Big daddy, you blow me away," and then hops onto his lap. <laughs> yep, that's big daddy. <laughs> yep, I love that big daddy has either something dripped onto his shirt that he was eating <laughs> or holes in his shirt that is worn so much yep. that it has holes in it both great yep fan hot, of both hot 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 <laughs> such a funny detail to include right <laughs> so funny uh yeah that's that's like a hoot and holler moment where you're like oh Ooh, boy. Ooh, Ooh, boy. what's happening like, if if she just said it, it would be like oh haha but the fact that she says it as she's laughing and jumping on his lap and they put mm-hmm. their arms around each other yeah Cool. And and I guess I should add it's a double it's like a double pun because right after that is an explosion from the Punisher. So it's like Right. Yeah, Big Daddy, you blow me away. Indeed. Um the other I'm the sure other... Microchip has said that once or twice. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Speaking of, uh his boyfriend is the other face. I don't know why I like this one. It's just a scowly picture of Punisher and it's just one of those with again a lot of lines on his face yeah and he is very scowly and very angry and his mouth is like extra long i guess i think it's part of what makes it kind of weird <laughs> but it's like so indicative of just like i just hate everything constantly yeah. even while i'm watching tv in my van it was like kind of the perfect face of the episode because it's just like it's his face the whole time like it's, <laughs> it's the perfect encapsulation of like what the punishers eat like aura is the yeah, you're entire right. episode it doesn't even change yeah it doesn't never it never changes yeah it's good <laughs> it's good it's uh, good it's good it's good what do you think uh what do you think overall it's it's messy uh, but like it's got some good stuff in it yeah i like the punisher i think i think my feelings on this one are very similar to my feelings on the first episode we got with morbius i think that the stuff i appreciate the most is the the Punisher stuff. I think yeah. the Punisher stuff is really good. I'm very impressed with the way that they wrote the Punisher, given the sort of silly limitations they had to work with. Mm-hmm. Not that the limitations themselves are silly, but the result ends up feeling a little silly, mm-hmm. despite being super clever. Mm-hmm. Very intelligent work. And then cool theme for the Punisher. Like it's a it's a cool thing that they're doing and a cool character to introduce into the universe and the overarching story. I'm just sort of once again let down by how they choose to weave Spider-Man into all of it. I just, yeah, it's, it's, it's right there. That's what's frustrating me the most is I feel like it's right there. He's not, it's not like they're telling the Punisher story and Spider-Man's in the background, you know, like yeah. that, that would be fine. I could understand them doing an episode like that if they wanted to, but they're telling a really cool, compelling thing with six arm Spider-Man and ultimately man spider that they're just like they're not connecting the pieces ju- like quite right, you know. And I just, ugh, I'm just like I see I see what like themes they're going for, and I think the lessons they're trying to convey, and they're just barely missing. <laughs> yeah, 
So there's so much, so much is done right in this episode. So much is done right and, and cared for very obviously that it, it, it makes the miss just that much more disappointing. Yeah. I feel like what I'm realizing with this show in this season is that it's really this, this show, the strength of it is good in plotting. Like it's good with doing inventive plots. Mm hmm. Even if, like, the plots themselves are kind of, like, wackadoo and, and all over the place, sometimes in, in individual episodes, they they make sense. And, like, they're always, like, pretty clever and inventive. And and the, the re- I think that's a major reason why the show is so iconic. I don't think that this show is as good as I want it to be thematically. Or as good as it wants to be thematically. Because it I feel like very often there keep being these things where we're sort of like, I don't know what this is saying. Like I'm enjoying yeah. what I'm watching and I really love a lot, like a lot, a lot of these characters and what they're doing, but I just don't understand like what the point of a lot of this is supposed to be. And that's okay for a lot of properties. I think the trouble that this show runs into is that there are points when it's very overtly trying to say that like, Oh, we do have something to say. We're yeah. saying this, but then they also say another thing and another thing and another thing and none of them jive together. Um, and the, and they yeah. often don't work into the plot. Like it's, it's, it's like, you either have to just be a full plot plot fun show, which is fine, or you work on your themes and make your themes work along with the plot. And I think they want to be a thematic show, but they really seem to struggle with that for some reason. Well, I think what's tough is this show would have figured out how to nail its its episodes in an episodic format if that's what it continued to do. Mm-hmm. But we know it's not what the show wanted to do. And I don't think the show would be remembered the way that it is if it stuck to that. You know what I sure. mean? So it's tough because w- what we're examining is a property that sort of like blazed a trail and as a result kind of was messy along the way. And so it's it's frustrating to fault it because it's blazing a trail, but we're still you know, like still faulting it because the faults are there you know yeah. like it's yeah. it's very weird it's very very weird i mean it's it's a it's an example of like something can be great and do a great thing and not necessarily be perfect along the way and that's that's okay that's fine i mean the show the show does incredible things um yeah. and uh you know the, the context is that it's it's kind of like figuring it out as it goes which you know I, again i admire i admire the ambition i just <sighs> these two, I think, are are frustrating me in an, in an especially uh, unique way. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe it won't be unique moving forward. I hope it's a unique way. Yeah, I hope so too. I think it's just because 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 they're good in a lot of ways. They're really yeah. they're really good in a lot of ways. Far like more I really, good than bad. <laughs> yeah, a lot more good than bad. And I liked a lot of them. It's just sort of like the stuff that I really want from it. I'm not that I that I kind of need to get from it is what I'm not not getting from it and it's and I don't think it's because I'm looking for the show to be more than what it what it wants to be or what it is it's just because they're just like just missing the mark just mm-hmm. barely on these things that I know that they can do better at and I'm really hoping that once they kind of get their feet better in the serialized stuff, even if it takes the season being over, like if it starts the next season or something, yeah. then I, I really hope that that's, that's just like contained to here and that from, you know, after that it's a little better, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I hope that this, this series, I'm going to do a sports reference. Uh, ooh. <laughs> I hope that this series is like, like LeBron James in his early career where it was like each season he focused on one thing that he didn't do great the last time 
nailed it and just continued to nail it moving forward. Mm-hmm. I hope that because this season is, you know, or that this series is as many seasons as it is, each season they sort of improve on one thing mm-hmm. and then it stops being a concern. Sure. None of the episodes we've watched in the second season have felt as messy or sort of bloated as some of the episodes in the first season did. That's true. And so I'm not expecting that to happen again. It seems like something they learned. Yeah. So my hope is that in season three, the themes will sort of be nailed down or tighter in a way that they aren't quite in this season. Yeah. That's my hope. I hope be so LeBron too. James. <laughs> <laughs> be, yeah. Spider-Man, the animated series, be LeBron James. Be the kid who was watching this show at home as like a nine-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how old LeBron James is. <laughs> it's not that I'm, much older than us. All of this is very out of my wheelhouse, so I'm just going with it. Uh, that's my hope. Yeah, I hope so too. Another hope that I think we both have is that you as a listener go to our Patreon and help us out and support us if you like what we're doing. Yes, <laughs> please do. Because like LeBron James, <laughs> oh God, <laughs> we're trying to be better every season we exist. <laughs> We've just entered our second season, the year 2020. Um, And we actually, uh, all joking aside, we went into 2020 with some big goals to try to be better as a podcast, simplify some of the stuff about our Patreon, make it a little bit easier to uh, navigate and understand. And what we landed on was this. We hope you will check it out and decide what is right for you. So um, at the $1 level on our Patreon, simply being a patron all the things you get by simply being a patron, early access to episodes, getting them the moment they are finished. You get to participate in our Walloping Word Snappers game. Anybody who's a patron can can participate in that, which we are very excited about. Um, you do get access to our Patreon-exclusive bonus episodes, um, and you have a random villain alter ego, which is cool. Um, and then at the $5 level, you gain access to our After Dark commentaries and some other perks. And we've mentioned in the past our $30 tier, which... Uh, allows you to guest on the show after you know a certain number of months so we are also improving like lebron james derek uh sure is he (laughs) he's the guy that is gonna be in space jam no that's not even true anymore is it wasn't that like a rumor and that's not that space jam too and then it's somebody else sure like i don't know how to measure the veracity of that claim at any point in its history because it's been going on for years. Yeah, yeah. But that is the one. You're thinking of the right sport guy. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So in any case, uh, check out our Patreon. Uh, it's very helpful. If you like what we're doing, uh, it's a way to support us. And um, Patreon's our way of saying thanks for supporting us. So, yeah. Cool, 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 cool. If you would like to find us individually, you can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. Um, anything that I have coming up or new, I'll post there. You can also find me on YouTube under my show Second Chance, a video essay series looking at bad or divisive media from a positive lens. Otherwise, where can we find you, Doug? You can find me on Twitter at Ikibuli, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y, tweeting about all sorts of weird stuff, Survivor in particular right now. And if you like Pokemon stuff, you can find me on another podcast here on the 4-Eyed Radio Network called Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast where my co-host Kyle and I talk about Pokemon as we feel like it. And if you would like more info on Walloping Web Snappers, the podcast you're listening to, you can find that on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WallopingWebPod. Um, you can also email us any sort of feedback, suggestions, fan art of Microchip and The Punisher. We'll Ooh. let you decide the rating um, at WallopingWebSnappersPodcast at gmail.com. 
If you've been enjoying yourself here with Walloping Web Snappers, we would love for you to rate and review our podcast, especially on Apple Podcasts. Um, If you can subscribe wherever you listen, that's great. Uh, But if you rate and review on Apple Podcasts, it helps other people find the podcast that you are currently listening to and enjoying. If you like it, we're certain that other people do too. Help them find us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Next week. Next week. Mr. Craven will return. Ah. Probably bring his usual sexual tension as he wrestles with the Punisher. Uh-oh, microchip, you got competition. Oh, boy. In Duel of the Hunters. I'm excited. <laughs> Me too, but not nearly as excited as you are, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm excited for you to be excited. <laughs> We will talk all about it next week. Bye. Bye. I just hate everything constantly, even while I'm watching TV in my van.